there was always an excitement when I took that team out of the tunnel. And I'd stop and turn, and I would post my hands to see if I could get them to stop, right? And when they stopped, they generally went with my hands. If I moved my hands to the right, they moved their helmets to the right. And if I moved my hands to the left, they'd move their helmets to the left. And uh, they would always say to us, you got about a minute and a half, and we would always say, no, you don't understand. You don't hold back Tigers for very long. I'm Les Miles, and this is Less Is More. not anything that I didn't understand about Louisiana. I understood right away that crawfish were good, that the people cared for their football team, they worked hard, and they wanted to come and celebrate in Tiger Stadium. Something my body needed to get used to was probably the humidity. I can remember a -a two-a-day practice where the networks were going to come in and like be with us for the whole practice. Well, it was before they had arrived and I was out on the field trying to get a sense for what the heat index must be, etc. It is dead quiet, no breeze, and I was looking at my shirt as the water was just coming out of my skin just profusely. It was like it was somebody had opened a faucet. And I said, okay, for about another half an hour, I was going to make a decision. If there was no wind, we were going inside. And if there was a little bit of wind, I wanted to stay out because you have to prepare in this heat to play in this heat, okay? And uh, sure enough, about 8.20, at wind started kicking up, and I said, oh, Lord God, thank you, because... I really thought that, you know, there could be some guys go down if you stayed outside. So, Well, teammates, all those that would be listening to the podcast and that have decided to join us for this day, uh, Smacker Miles is sitting alongside. I get uh, John Wangler, and, uh, Jacob Hester, and uh, you just never can tell the cast of characters that might appear in this one. Glad that you're with us. And uh, we had a big weekend, didn't we, Smack? We did. It was fun to be home for this weekend. And we got to be together for the podcast two weeks in a row. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, that's exactly right. We did the uh, show in Dallas at the uh, Cowboys facility, and now we're in Baton Rouge at a uh, wonderful local studio and up and running. So the question for you that everyone wants to know is, how was this weekend returning home for the first time and being back on the field in Tiger Stadium? What was so, your favorite part? Of, of this Saturday, watching, yeah. you think? Um, well. From the police escort in to the police escort out, what was your favorite part? Um, not getting arrested. I'm glad they didn't <laughs> throw me in jail. Uh, the, uh, no, but we, what a wonderful uh, experience we had with those guys. Uh, not everybody got to go to the game quite like we did that day, Smack. But uh, It was Dad's first time riding to the game with us, and he actually instructed my mom how the traffic would be. It was a really interesting Miles family experience because (laughs) dad has actually zero experience with the traffic lanes, but he instructed us like he was ready to go and like he knew. 
just remember, if the police don't come and get us out of locked down traffic, we're still there. In fact, we, we never made the game. We're still on uh, Nicholson Drive in lockdown traffic. So I was right. There isn't any question. So, um, but uh, Hey, Les, I got a question. I couldn't be there. I was up in Bloomington uh, watching our Wolverines. But um, did you get a chance to experience the sweet taste of Tiger Stadium grass uh, in the pregame? I did. Uh, not necessarily the pregame, but uh, – I came down at halftime when the team was being honored, and uh, they provided me with some shavings, if you will, of uh, of the tiger turf. I grabbed the blade and got right to the uh, to the skinny piece. Uh, Ali LaForce allowed me that uh, that opportunity, and uh, it tastes the same. It was wonderful. I had a wonderful time, John. I, I went there, and my heart was was pounding, and uh, I was a little. Uh, you know, emotional, but being around that team and that atmosphere, and then the crowd was extremely loud to welcome this 2007 championship, national championship team. And uh, it was special. My favorite part was seeing the current and former players running up to you, and that was what touched me the most just because I've always been, obviously I follow the media a lot more than Dad ever did when he was coaching, but... And so I've dealt with the fans that said nasty things or whether it was a classmate or anyone. And But I always felt that if the players spoke highly and interacted well with my dad, that that was what I cared about because those were the people that were actually around him. And so seeing all the guys, current and former, running up to him, just it made me cry. It was unreal just to see the people that you really care about that still really, really love and care for you. And so that made it special for me. And it just, it ties up 12 amazing years. And it was great timing for our family, I think. Dad, in the decision-making process of going to the game or not going to the game, you could have been at either of the boys' games. You could have been visiting me in Dallas. You could have been doing media for the weekend. But you made it a point and a priority to be at that LSU game and be honoring that 2007 team. What was that decision-making process like for you? It was there was no decision. It was it it gave only for me to realize these guys they did everything that we asked them to do. They were tough. They were hard nosed. They they made they made protection issues non issues. They they made great catches. They I mean they did everything that we asked them to do. There's no way that the head coach was going to miss that. There's, there's no way that he was not going to affirm that team's commitment to team, that, that there's no way that he was not going to be there in that stadium when they were going to honor that team. He had to. There was no question, and there was no awkwardness. It was, uh, I can tell you, I, um, the one thing that, that I have always enjoyed about Tiger Stadium is when you walk in that stadium, you're figuring to wear somebody out. But there's a 100,000-seat stadium full of people who feel exactly the same way. Great expectations. Somebody is fixing to get beat up because the Tigers are in that stadium. And I, uh, I, there's, there's no way that I could uh, not attend. And then just understand the, the many men on the 2017 were just enjoyable to be around. 
But this team, that 2017 team, there were some men on the sideline there that I uh, I recruited and that I enjoyed and I rooted for the entire day. So I uh, there was there was nothing awkward there. I promise you. I uh, you don't know awkward. No, I, I loved your know. quote last week. It might be awkward for some people, but not for me. <laughs> like a lot of people would say that there would be no one. It would be more awkward for, but. I that's you're not really an awkward person, so no. I that doesn't surprise me. Your way to handle any situation is with good posture and a full chest and ready to walk in and handle the situation. Dad, this was my first time getting to watch a game with you, and so it was fun being able to ask you questions during the game as opposed to having to wait till after. But what was your experience like in watching that game and take us through the game from the early rough start to the comeback at the end? It appeared to me, with, without looking at the film after, that the uh, the, uh, the LSU Tigers had a difficult time playing zone defense behind, um, you know, that front. And so, what would happen is, is it looked like to me they were reduced and did not necessarily have Arden Key on the field. And so, um, cuts in in line running was good. And the ability to throw the ball and give the uh, the LSU secondary some real difficult coverage bumps. In other words, you know, adjustments into into a zone secondary that had to be dealt with based on bumping off. And uh, they they let some guys get leverage on on routes and make some big plays. And just like you you allude, they they go up 20 to zip. And it was a, a, a ugly, ugly thing. And then, of course, they score. Um, they were up 27 at 22-7. And then, just really the, 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 the end of the first half, they go um, 2014 with a nice big play and a nice catch. Um, now, the second half has to be different. The second half for the LSU Tigers to win, they can't give up another 20, okay? And... So the defense, Dave Aranda makes a great, you know, adjustment. It appears to me cover one, and and more of Arden Key on the edge. And so now, basically, the the guys that played on the tackles were allowed to pinch and allowed to play inside because um, there were outside linebackers in the position to make tackles. And you know that 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 adjustment made a tremendous difference because now. The secondary, they weren't giving up giving up open guys. If you looked at the balls that were thrown in the second half, it was tight coverage. It was draped on them and swatting balls down. And a secondary that, in my opinion, really played great. And I think it was a simple adjustment that went to cover one. So then now the, the, the bumps were handled in a, in a comfortable fashion. And... I, you know, to be honest with you, I didn't see a lot of uh, picks or rubs by the Auburn team, so it, it allowed that the the advantage of LSU's secondary to take advantage of some of those throws, um, and then Darius Geis, and you know, they step, they just kept wearing on them, and then um, let's talk a little bit more about the momentum shift because Auburn goes into halftime nine up, and I kind of felt like. For the way the first half had gone, nine down for the Tiger for the LSU Tigers was nothing. I felt like really it, in the first half it looked like they were getting beat by much more than nine. And then we go to halftime, and I saw a tweet. Josh Groudon um, tweeted 
that he saw you at halftime and you said, kick their ass. And then he tweeted, job done, mate. <laughs> and I love that one. But let's talk a little bit about the momentum that was gained at halftime when you have former players leading the team out of the tunnel and on the sideline waving towels in the air and getting after it and just... We saw Darius come out after halftime. He almost tackled you, and he came up to me, Macy, with pads on. I got hit by a shoulder pad, but I could just feel it. You could feel that the Tigers were getting in their groove, and they knew the sun was about to go down, and the LSU Tigers were about to do dominate Saturday night in Tiger Stadium. Yeah, I agree with that. The uh, The momentum change was based on that, that catch late in the half, just before halftime, to go to get to 14. That was a huge momentum taker. Well, and then you see Darius getting in a groove on that first drive of the and second half, defense, which you know is a key. And that defense is playing cover one, hard ball defense. That defense did not give up first downs. I mean, they it, it changed completely from one half to the next. And it didn't appear to me that Auburn was ready for, wow, you know, one, this team's still fast. Two, when you start to see Stidham get up slowly, ooh. he went from being six for eight at one point to ending nine for 24. Correct. So his momentum changed. And you could, I mean, I can see it when the quarterback starts to get up slower every time they're getting hit, it, it becomes a completely different game. Yeah, that's affecting the quarterback. And that's really what, what the uh, LSU defense was, was doing with cover one, come get you. So. Job done, mate. Hey, hey, job done, mate. What a great way to put it. Well, there it is, the familiar whistle. Now, time for a question. What, what do you got over there, Smackerdoo? Last Smacker, John. One of the questions I had was uh, I heard on the last episode about Smacker just liking Mark Rick. And of course, as much as Mark Rick gets from the university, kind of hated to see him go. Kirby, of course, is doing a thing. But, uh, you know, I, I was just wanted to get you to kind of touch on that a little bit. Why does Smacker like the coach? Was there a, a certain reason? Or Mark Rick has always been a family favorite, I think. His Georgia teams were always really, really talented and well-coached, and so you knew they were going to bring their A game. But also, he actually sent Macy some stuffed animals, and she would, he would send a letter from him just saying, hey, Macy, I hope I can be your second favorite coach. And he'd have a little bulldog stuffed animal. So Macy started out really liking him when she was really little. And then we just followed and admired his teams and the way he handled them. I saw a lot of similarities between him and my dad and the way they handled adversity or talked to their team with respect. And so I think that he was... I think that there's a natural ebb and flow of college football teams, and I don't think that there was anything going wrong there. And so I just love to see a success story and Mark Rick smiling on the sideline again. So if that's something I can cheer for, I definitely will. Hey, Coach. Uh, love your podcast. Uh, I was at LSU from 03 to 07. Would love to hear just a deep remark and, and thought-out answer on what happened early January 2012 against that Alabama in the national title game that most of us don't even want to talk about. But would, uh, would love to hear you talk about it if you were willing to. I'm sure it's a painful memory for you also. But uh, to hear you kind of discuss it and go over it could bring really bring some closure, I think, to some people. I, uh, I, think, it's a, I think it's a fair question. What we, uh, what, what we want to do is, is look at first philosophically and psychologically how you prepare your team for a team that you've already beaten. They called it the game of the century. You won 
And everybody knows that Alabama's talented. Everybody knows that they're capable. But you have already put them behind you. And I don't know, to be honest with you, when I was asked, you know, who would you pick as the number two team in the country to line up against you in that game? And I said, well, I, I really think that uh, Alabama would be the, the, the pick, and I really would be honored to face a team like that. And I, I think I was telling you exactly how it was from my heart. But reality is, is, is should I have pushed a Oklahoma State who was really the next team to step in there with a loss? And um, or if I would have said, you know, we'd already played them and let's get to another team. I don't know that that would have been taken um, correctly in, in any way, but it could have easily aligned us with another team. I think it was very difficult for our LSU team to think that anything but victory was going to happen. We just played these guys. We were going to win. And I could not get the, the uh, motivation exactly how I wanted it for that game because of that. I think it was very difficult for them to get um, ready to play in that game. And if you looked at how we started and played in that game, we were sloppy on offense. Our defense was certainly capable, but you know didn't make some plays that they were capable of making. And it just didn't come together for us and I, uh, I I take the I take the blame myself I don't think I motivated that team you know in a fashion that I would have liked based on the fact that we had already played them and we had already beaten them. I need a moment for that one you say that you didn't prepare the team like you would want to but I don't think I've ever seen you prepare more for a game than you did for that one and so I think there's something to be said for sports and athletics and that LSU had just set the record for the most wins in school history at 13-0, and we don't see Nick Saban teams go undefeated. They win championships, but they always take that one loss. And so I think that just understanding that it's hard to look back at, it's a hard memory for our family, as successful as that season was, it's not something we just talk about with excitement in our house, but I just think that there are times we have to understand that it's a game, and it happened on that day, and on that day, Alabama was the better team. And unfortunately, like you said, it was twice in one year. But sometimes games just go like a game. Yeah, it's very difficult to pick. But uh, I, uh, you win the conference championship, and and you and you really um, have accomplished a tremendous feat in the SEC. And so now um, you're playing in the national championship against another SEC opponent. I mean, they sat there while we played in the championship game and beat a good Georgia team. They sat there and stewed and got mad and said, we're going to get these guys. And we played them like we were playing a team that we had already defeated during the regular season, and they were playing with a chip on their shoulder, something that we needed to get accomplished. We need to beat this team. And in the motivation, I I just didn't think I prepared them. I, I just... If I look back on it, I can see where the advantage in, in, in the way the things lined up psychologically and in motivation with it was Alabama's. And I, I could not, I, I, sh- I knew it, I tried to shake it out of them, I tried to shake it out of me, 
And uh, I just, it was. That's interesting to me because I've never heard that explanation of it motivation wise from you. I just saw how much time you're putting in, especially in the hotel when it's a bowl game. We always saw dad work more than even we would in a normal setting or at home. And so that's really interesting to me. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, I, uh, I'd like to play that game again. Hey, coach. This is Joey from Prairieville. Really enjoying the show. Wondering if you would ever consider having Nick Saban on your show? Yeah, of course we would. Uh, uh, that's that's a great idea. Maybe we uh, we uh, that offer is out there. Yeah. I have some questions for Nick. Yeah, yeah, that would be fun. That would be a lot of fun to be honest with you. So maybe we should do that. What do you think, Smack? I think so. I think he'd join us. There's a lot of mutual respect there. No question. Jacob Hester. The captain of the 2007 National Championship Fighting Tigers of LSU. Jacob, nice to see you, boss. What's going on, Coach? How you doing? Enjoying the day. Okay, Jacob, here you go. We lost our quarterback against Arkansas. We finished the the regular season um, second against Arkansas in a uh, it was fourth and ten. Um, a, somebody didn't cover the tight end, tight end caught a ball, they beat us. And we did not have our quarterback. Our quarterback uh, hurt his shoulder, and we were not going to have him going into the championship game. That would eventually allow us to play for the national championship. So here we are, Tuesday afternoon, kind of went through the film. It's, it's, it should all be behind us, and we're in the indoor facility. Do you remember the practice? Oh, well, it's something that I think makes the 2007 team so special. I mean, uh, Coach, you've coached for a long time, and, you know, in those situations, especially, you know, thinking maybe you've lost out on the national championship, you don't have your quarterback, you're going with your number two guy, going into the SEC championship against a team who has Eric Ainge, a guy who started for four years at Tennessee, uh, a lot of teams would have just thrown it in, thrown the towel in, said, hey, we lost our chance maybe at a national championship. Uh, we just lost a heartbreaker in triple overtime on senior day in Tiger Stadium. Only the second time uh, ever that us seniors had lost in Tiger Stadium. The only SEC West game we ever lost. And so uh, everything stacked against you. But uh, that team was special. And uh, it was special because of the leadership, special because of the coaches, it was special because, hey, we weren't the most talented team. I'll tell you that. 2006 LSU team uh, had a lot more talent than us, but it didn't matter. It was the way that we played together, uh, the way we trusted in each other, and we got after it uh, that week in practice, just like we were going for a national championship because if there was any slight chance that we could get back in it, uh, that team that was going to have to play us uh, was not going to have much of a chance. And so uh, that's something I tell people all the time. Um, it would have been so easy just to say, hey, we lost out. Uh, we're just going to throw the towel in, you know, go to a nice bowl game. It'll be an okay season, definitely not a national championship. But uh, the SEC championship was something that we prepared for, went in there. Ryan Perley did a heck of a job in that football game as a backup quarterback. And um, for me, it's just another moment that shows how special our team was. You're exactly right. And that practice week, there, there, was, a, there was a flipping of the switch. It, it was a little hard, you know, Coming off of a a you know a defeat, you lost your quarterback, 
and then now you're in a Tuesday practice, and Tuesday practice was kicking in gear, or you're really not in position to win. And that practice, and I remember it, you know, as a coach, was crisp and and getting after it, and it was it was almost tenacious the way the team practiced because they were just a little pissed that they did not get it all done um, last week, and it and they were carrying emotion with them, and I enjoyed that practice week a, a ton. I just felt like this team is going to play their best, and that's all they'd ever have to do. If they played their best, that, that, was, that was going to be good enough. And I, uh, I enjoyed that. Uh, now, now, Hester, I remember, let's see, you, uh, we put in an isolation play on that, uh, in that game week, and, and uh, we lined up against a really great friend of mine, uh, John Chavis, who's the defensive coordinator, and, but he didn't see that isolation for quite some time. And, oh, uh, was it was Quinn? Was was Quinn Johnson the uh, the uh, fullback at that time? Yes, so so we had Quinn <laughs> and Sean Jordan. Oh yeah, those two lads were gonna go in there and wear out a middle linebacker. It's funny I'll say that because obviously I was thirteen at the time, but I've never had faith in a player like I had faith in Jacob Hester. Which part of it, not to be weird, was my age in that when you're young, you don't realize that your dad's livelihood depends on nineteen to twenty two year old guys. And then, so I just remember looking up to Jacob and just being like, we don't ever, like, he always gets it done. I don't, like, yeah. fourth down, everyone's nervous. And I'm like, no, like, Jacob's got it. This is <laughs> this is no big deal, guys. Yeah. We got this. Yeah. And then after that, obviously, I grew up a little bit and the stress came and I started to be older than the players and so as opposed yeah. to younger and looking up to them. Yeah. But, oh, yeah, I remember those Jacob Hester days. There was, oh, there was so much faith. Oh, no, I mean, you guys, I mean, like, like I said, I mean, me and Coach ha- have one of the best relationships, and uh, when you start picking out stories, uh, you could go for days. But, uh, you know, one that just, it, it just for me, is the top is uh, just the, the faith, honestly, in the Florida game, right? I mean, going for it five for five on fourth downs and, and never blinked either. I mean, there was times in that game that you can kick a field goal and time the game. And uh, I can remember just going over to the sideline and, and telling Coach, like, hey, Coach, we, we've got them. I mean, their hands are on their knees. They're huffing and puffing. Our guys are standing tall. We, we've got it. And for a coach in, in that position at that kind of school and that conference to listen to his players and, you know, take their words and, and really put his trust into us, uh, you know, it, 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 mean, it meant the world to us. And I can remember being in the huddle and, and Flynn saying, hey, Coach is, coach is calling these fourth downs. Don't you dare let him down. And, and I can remember that meaning something to us. And so, uh, of course, you know, you've got your funny stories. You've got your sad stories. But for me, that's the story that, that always stands out. It's the faith he put in us that night in Tiger Stadium. Uh, no other coach would have gone for it five for five on fourth down and put his trust in his players like that. I mean, that's, that's you know, that's his lifeline. That's how he's you know, putting food in his kid's mouth, and he's putting his trust in us as players, and uh, you can best believe uh, we weren't going to let him down. And so that's the one that sticks out to me, going over to him on the sidelines and, and kind of giving him those words of what I thought Florida was going through at the time and him believing me. Well, we just had a drive that started um, somewhere on the other side of the 50, so let's say 20, 25. I mean, it's not like it was a – 
we weren't backed up in the on the four, four or the five, but we were. It was we had we had a long drive, and that drive ended up being the the, the drive that won the game for us. And we went for it on fourth down. I want to say at least twice in that specific drive, and uh, um, it was interesting because the the uh, Stanford Cardinals had just defeated USC and they announced in our stadium that the number one team USC had just gone down to Stanford and they had gone just berserk. And it was about the time that, um, when we were just across the 50 and I'm, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, now what in the hell has gone on in the stadium? Because I mean, we had this. We were still behind. We were still. We had to drive to finish, and certainly that's not just guaranteed. This was a very. This was a Tebow Florida team. This was a talented defense and a talented offense, and you couldn't really turn the ball back to them. And uh, so, um, we work work the ball down really to the three yard line, and it's a it's a decision whether to kick it or to go for it on fourth and three. And uh, and certainly, I took the time, and and my one of my my captain came over and said, "Hey, you know, these guys are blowing. We just we have just taken the ball from the other side of the fifty across, and these guys are blowing. They they're, they got their knees on the ground." And uh, I said, "Great." So it was a simple call. But you know what? It's interesting. I felt like you always ran that play so well. You kind of took a wide the normal footwork but you took a you challenged the B gap and so that told those linebackers that they if they were going to stop you for 3 yards you they had better at least stack the guard so they went to stack and then I don't know if you remember this but Ryan Miller was your right guard at this time okay and and and, and frankly he was a backup center and a backup along the front because he was so smart and so capable and and but had been injured, not necessarily had consumed and taken a position, but he was going to be the guard at the right side that was going to spring you or not. And I, I never, because I remember going back to the film with a, with my eyes, because I knew that Miller was in the game and I really had confidence that he knew exactly what to do. And so, you know, they're playing bear. We ended up with a, with a man call at the center the the right guard and right tackle were going to take the three technique and whatever showed up in the A gap, whether it was the front side or the backside linebacker. And Miller pins the three on his back hip as he's continuing to climb. The tackle takes the three technique. The three techniques if back then were wide, wide players. And so our boy uh, Miller climbed and just got in Spikes' knees about the time that you had cut it back behind him and in the end zone for three three yards and in the end zone for seven or six points. So that, to me, was, you know, certainly one of the most uh, significant drives in, in that year. We take the lead, and, uh, and, and, and the, uh, the – uh, the Florida Gators have no chance uh, late in that game, so it's a. Uh, it was one of the, I agree that was that was in that year that was one of those uh, one of those really fun times. And and Hester, you made the call, babe. You said, "Hey, hell, coach, it can't stop us." 
Give me, just, <laughs> just give me the ball. So. Yes, sir. Hey, now, Coach, you remember the only time you questioned my judgment? Because I do. It, it was in a uni council meeting, and I had picked an awful movie. I think it was called Crank. It had Jason Statham in it. And I thought, <laughs> okay, it's an action movie. You know, he'll just be blowing stuff up the whole time. And, and we wouldn't saw it. And you brought Manny and Ben. And it, it ended up being a not a very appropriate movie. <laughs> and you looked at me and said, Hester, what in the hell did you pick? <laughs> yeah, and back then, like Manny and Ben, Ben's 19, six foot one, and, and Manny is six foot and a half inch and, and, uh, and 21, yeah. Now, that wouldn't have been an issue, okay? But back then, I mean, this is, uh, Ben's probably, yeah, Ben's nine. probably six or seven, and Manny's, you know, nine or, or eight. And, uh, and so I, I had to, uh, I had to go for the years on that one. I had to reach out there and stop these guys from, you know, looking and cover uh, their eyes and That's yeah, cover their eyes and, and, uh, not let them hear exactly what's going on. Oh, yeah. Okay. Matter, if you'd have been in there, I might have been kicked off the team. <laughs> now here you are, Hester. We're, we're at the uh, hotel and, I, I don't know how you remember this, but certainly I remember it. Everybody was saying that Kirk Herbstreet is is reporting <laughs> that I am going to be the head football coach at the University of Michigan, that they're going to take me by plane on Monday. I am already ar- planning to arrive. They're going to have a uh, media event, and this is done, and reported it on Friday. I mean, if there could have been a worse time to report, especially a completely um, erroneous fake news, if you will, um, story um, about me going to tomorrow alma mater, which I had great affection for, but there was no truth in any way that that was happening. And so now I'm, I'm, I'm my, my phone's ringing off the hook. I, what's going on? And they tell me what's going on. And, so now I have a problem with my team. In other words, in my view, if I'm standing on the sideline and they hear that I'm leaving, what the hell? I don't need to talk to you. Why? Well, you know, there's an issue, right? There's an issue with the way I looked and the way they looked at me. And I, and certainly, I did not want the fans, that fan base, that would come in and enjoy rooting for the Tigers, to think that oh, that dirty, rotten dog is going to take a job and leave. So I, I never would have done this, and, and I and never did the rest of my, my career to this point, is speak to the media about the game or the situation that could surround the game before the game. I never did that. And so I stepped in front of the media and told them, simply put, I'm the head coach at LSU. I will be the head coach at LSU. I have no interest in talking to anybody else. I got a championship game to play, and I'm excited about the opportunity of my damn strong football team to play in it. And it's really all I'd like to say. It was unfortunate that I had to address my team um, with this information this morning. Uh, But that being done, I think we'll be ready to play. There'll be no questions from me. I represent me in this issue. Please ask me after. I'm busy. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Okay, so then um, I had to tell my team, 
so I, I can remember it was just after chapel. I encouraged that the entire team be in there. And I said, okay, it's good news, bad news. Um, if you like me, it's gonna, you're going to be happy because I'm going to be here Monday and right on through. Okay. And if you don't like me, this being the bad news, I'm going to be here Monday and I'm going to be there right on through. So I, uh, I enjoyed the fact that that team, they, they responded so well to that and, and played so hard. I, uh, I, uh, that was that understand that put us in the position, um, obviously Jacob, that allowed us to play for the national title. I mean, uh, yes, I, and let, and let me, there's something that we've never really had too much of a chance to talk about, but let me tell you, me and Matt were actually in the hotel room together uh, when that came out. And let me tell you that we knew it wasn't true because you would have told us beforehand uh, in a unity council meeting. Uh, those unity council meetings were something that we always cherished, and we knew you were telling us the truth. And uh, you gave us, uh, you know, choices and decisions to make because, uh, you believed in us and, and, and you put your faith in us so many times, and we always appreciated that so much. And so we knew as soon as it came out that it wasn't true because you hadn't told us. And it's something that you would have told us beforehand just because that's the way our relationship was. And, and also on the flip side of that, um, we appreciated that, you know, your dream job at Michigan Man opens up and you wanted to be a Tiger still. And that, that meant the world to us as players. And so... Uh, let me tell you, Tennessee didn't have a chance, and Ohio State surely didn't have a chance because us as seniors, when you did that, I mean, it meant the world to us. Well, that, uh, we couldn't have done it any other way. How, how about if you're a coach and you've put yourself in a position to have a championship team, a conference championship, an SEC championship team, how, how else could you respond other than sincerely? How I mean – your coach, if if there's one thing that you would want to stand for is that when you lined up a championship team that you were completely in and you did everything that you could in your power, including be a part and be honest and be sincere to allow this team to have the best day that they could. I mean, there was no chance that I could realistically evaluate any other job. I mean, because my job was to take home an SEC title and to be with my team. Now, we, on the way back home, after after fighting a really talented uh, uh, Tennessee team, very capable Tennessee team, uh, on the way home, I think, and, I, and, and Jacob, we were talking about this not long ago, we had to, the, excuse me, the... Uh, West Virginia had to lose. They lost to Pitt. Um, um, Oklahoma had to lose. I don't know who they even lost to. But there was a... No, Oklahoma beat Mizzou. That's correct. That Mizzou, beat Mizzou? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Mizzou had a team. They had Chase Daniels, the quarterback. Oh, yes, that's sir. right. That's exactly right. So then Oklahoma came through. And then there was a third game. Did it involve the Oregon Ducks? I don't know. But in any event, all three of those had to come into play. And then the, um, the, the narrative that allowed the Tigers to, to claim uh, the ability to be in the game, I think uh, Ohio State was number one and we would be eventually number two. And, uh, and that narrative was, 
we were undefeated for regulation. In other words, we lost two games, but we lost them in overtimes. And, and I, I didn't know if that narrative was going to be enough, to be honest. But it, but it was. How did, how did you feel when you got uh, – when the, your team, Jacob Hester, your team was selected to play in the national championship game? Oh, I mean, you, you can't even put that into words. And um, for, for me, playing a national championship game is, is the hardest thing to do in sports when you do it in college football. There's so many great teams. Um, you know, everybody's getting on an even playing field. And to be able to find your way into that game is special. And the way we got into it, you know, the plane ride home is something that I'll never forget. Uh, hearing the the pilots say the scores, you know, over the over the PA oh. system because it's before I, it's before they had wireless on airplanes and all that. So we were getting scores uh, straight from the pilot, and every score that came in, uh, just the the cheering that was going on, and when that final score. Came in. I mean, pillows, blankets being thrown up in the air. People celebrating, high five. Uh, there was no seatbelt rules for that plane ride home because we were all up and <laughs> jumping around, and uh, I mean, it, it was special. And then, uh, you know, all those things having to happen, and then when they did happen, and uh, like I said earlier, I mean, there was. It didn't matter if we were playing the 1985 Chicago Bears; they would have been in trouble that day in the Superdome. Yeah, that nineteen eighty five team's not walking as, as quickly as they should. I think you'd I think I would bet on that uh, team we had uh now nah, maybe I better be careful. That eighty five Bears team was pretty good. So um, <laughs> it was a uh, it was a uh, great plane ride home, but now okay now. We're going to practice, we're gonna prepare and we're gonna take the field and the first thing we're gonna do is we elected our, our season's captains, um, Jacob Hester, Patty Fisher, Matt Flynn, Glenn Dorsey. Was, was that it? Is that, did I get five? Craig Stouts. Craig Stouts, absolutely. So when, that, when those men walked out to the midfield stripe to um, flip the coin, there was not a smile on their face. That picture I have blazed in my memory. And what was it like, Hester, to represent those Tigers in that coin flip as a captain? Oh, gosh. I mean, to do it in the Superdome, a stadium uh, that everybody in Louisiana loves, to do it for your school, and to be one of those five members that got a chance to walk out on the 50-yard line, it's hard to put into words. And um, you know, all of us have been together for so long, you know, uh, so many times uh, Matt Flynn could have transferred, right? I mean, he had to wait his turn, no fifth-year guy that started playing his last year. Uh, Glenn Dorsey could have went to the draft early. I mean, so many so many guys came back for that team, and it meant everything to be able to lead them out, uh, you know, with those four other guys. And uh, to meet those Buckeyes in the middle of the field, uh, yeah, you're right. There was no smiles. It was all business, um, especially, you know, for me and Matt because, uh, all we heard about, you know, for five, six weeks was their defense. And, uh, you know, Laronitis and Golston, all those guys, Malcolm Jenkins were guys that were meeting us in the middle of the field. So uh, there was not going to be too many smiles. We had, we had a job to take care of. <laughs> we, we sure did. That was, a, uh, that was a great game. That was a great game. You win a national championship. I mean, it's special. And, 
uh, you know, there's been teams win Super Bowls and, and high school championships and all that. But when you win a national championship in football, I mean, that's something that over 100 teams are trying for, and the playing field is so level that it, it's hard to do. So uh, 10 years later, to receive that ovation uh, in Tiger Stadium, to see those teammates, to be on the field with those guys, to have that many guys back, uh, to be able to share that moment not only uh, with Coach Miles but his family. And his family was a huge part uh, of our, our of our success. I mean, they were there all the time, and we got a chance to know them and see them grow up. And uh, it's it special for me um, that there is no moment that, in my opinion, sports-wise, that will ever top that for me. Uh, to be on the 50-yard line, uh, seeing Coach hold the crystal ball up one last time, and, and for me to share that with uh, you know my fellow captains and my teammates, uh, it'll be hard to, to ever touch that. And then uh, LSU has a huge comeback, wins the game, and uh, the 2017 was able to bring a little bit uh, of, of crazy magic back like we always seem to do. And so, uh, gosh, that was a moment that I'll cherish forever. And I hope we do it every 10 years. I hope we have a 20 and a 30 and a 40-year reunion and we can all get back together because at the end of the day, uh, throw talent out the window. That wasn't what we were about. We were about being together, trusting each other, loving each other, and being there for each other. And uh, I think that's why it was so special for us to be there together Saturday. There were a lot of friendships that you could see that uh, that were being relived again and again in the in the meeting on Friday where the the team got together at uh, the Laverge and and enjoyed some uh, some some time together. And you could see that you know there was a uh, a closeness within that team that was so very important as we would, you know, get to a, a position, you know, if you, if you remember, we, we lost uh, our, our quarterback early on in that season too, um, you know, with an ankle. And, uh, um, you know, there were, there were times that that team had to, you know, expand themselves so that they could um, fill in a void that, that was going to be, you know, noticeable, but that they could play better around a new guy that, uh, that just would make a difference. I, uh, for a coach, you know, I was, I was certainly pleased to be a part because they, because your team, they work so hard. They, 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 one of the things that when you, when you went behind against Ohio State, Beanie Wells ran for 65 and a score and then they kick a field goal. I want you to know nobody blinked. There was no, there was no who gives a. It was just simply, we haven't come to play yet. Wait till we, wait till we, wait till we take the field. Wait till we take the day. And uh, I, as, as a coach, I, uh, I enjoyed being with you in that stadium. I enjoyed being with you as a team uh, in the the conference championship. And in the national championship, what a what a great uh, what a great road. You know what? If if sports is going to teach you anything, there's going to be rough spots. There's going to be crisis, and it's how you respond in times like that that make the difference. If you think about it, just like you said earlier, hey, we missing our quarterback. We just lost the last game. There's no chance that we're going to win the conference championship. And then we win the conference championship, and there's there's no chance that they're going to let us in the game. And then all of the things fall into place, and we step into a game 
and and play like we damn deserve to be there. And that was that was that team. That 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 team was a uh, well, confident. They look forward to playing. Swagger was probably uh, a uh, a word that was eh, maybe just kind of starting on the scene, but that team has swagger. I can remember seeing Matt Flynn as the as the game ends, in the uh, LSU Tigers spill into the quarter. Um, I can remember coming back to the hotel at about four o'clock in the morning, considering we started that game at nine. I mean, that really isn't too late. But uh, I can remember coming back to the the lobby, and uh, with my wife, and seeing Matt Flynn and his family. I mean, four o'clock in the morning, just sitting there. And I said, "Can you sleep?" And he said, "Not a chance." <laughs> and so, so I I uh, I greeted him, hugged him, said hello, and, and but that's everybody. If you think about the the athletic trainers, if you think about the athletic director, if you think about the president, if you think about all of the people that gave their best efforts so that that team could have great success, it was a program victory. It was it was all about the Tigers, and it was uh, just so enjoyable to be a part. And I, uh, pretty special. And Hester, we're attached for a lifetime. <laughs> hey, yes, sir. Hey, you, be, you better believe. Hey, anytime I told you, I, I named my son after you, Memphis Miles. So, we're, hey, we're attached whether whether uh, you like it or not, Coach. We're, we're at the hip. <laughs> no doubt. What's next, guys? Wangler, you you ready for Michigan in depth? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good there, Les. Yeah, we can, we can go whatever we need on them. Gotcha. Let's start with Friday night. Clemson was upset by Syracuse on the road, and Washington Washington State was beat by Cal, both on the road. Yeah, I didn't like I didn't like my boy Leach's response to. We are pathetic. We are pathetic front runners. That's what he said. I, you know, I've seen a lot of coaches say they, though, so I kind of, I can at least appreciate the fact that he said we are pathetic because he could have said they about his players are pathetic. So at least he included himself in it. I do appreciate that very much so. And I also saw that Dabo actually went into Syracuse's locker room to congratulate them and ended up taking pictures with a couple Syracuse players. And I love the perspective he had on that just because you have to understand that, yes, you took a hard one and Clemson was not expecting that and the whole country was watching on Friday night. But you have to understand that that's the biggest win of 99% of those Syracuse guys and all those guys that never make the NFL, that will be their signature win of their college career. Oh, I guarantee it. So I just, I appreciate him having the wherewithal and the perspective to be able to congratulate someone and take a tough loss like a man. Yeah, it really was. Clemson lost their quarterback in that game. The defense is going to have to keep him in the game and they're, 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 and they're trying to manufacture an offense. And, uh, and it allows a, um, a pretty talented uh, Syracuse team to, uh, you know, to beat them. And, and I agree with, with you, Smack. I think what a wonderful thing for Dabo Sweeney to go into the locker room and congratulate an opponent 
based on the fact that, just like you said, there won't be many um, victories, if any victories, that that, uh, that that team, that Syracuse team will have that would compare to defeating Clemson as the number two ranked team in the country. So that's, that was that was that was to me wonderful, and then to me I'm mad at uh, at um, um, Leach. Leach, yeah, Mike Leach. You 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 can't possibly. Here's a team that's really you know had a good season to this point. Upset and, USC. Yeah, upset USC, and and they call he calls his team pathetic, and then pathetic front runners. I, I just. I just, I just never. That's a tough one to come back from. Yeah, I, you know, I've always encouraged and expected, as a bottom line, that I was going to get great effort and energy. Period. Okay. From that point forward, it's our responsibility as coaches to get it through to them. If they give me the effort at practice, if they give me the the energy to study the game plan, if they are involved and engaged, then. They're not going to be pathetic no matter what they do, and they're not going to be pathetic front runners. I just, I just, I know that it's his call. He defines his team, not me. I just stand on the sideline and realize that if you make a, uh, if you define your team as pathetic front runners, daggone it, that's my, that might be just who they want to be. I mean, you, you, you called it. So I, uh, I've I've never made it a practice uh, to uh, to call my team a, and and make a uh, a point of them being negative in a overt uh, way. Certainly not at a press conference. Let's talk a little bit more about front runners, not any pathetic ones. Let's talk about the teams that are still undefeated after seven weeks of college football. That's South Florida. UCF and those two play at the end so they've been dominating people but they will play last game of the year and then Miami TCU Penn State Wisconsin Georgia and Alabama so we could see a Georgia Alabama matchup in the SEC championship and then I know that Wisconsin will still play Michigan but how do you guys see those teams and also just what do you see as being important from an undefeated team because Dad, you've gone into some games against Alabama undefeated and then had that undefeated mark be quickly wiped and criticism come wildly at you. Well, just understand this. When you're playing number one team in the country, (laughs) you're playing for the national championship every time that they play. Okay, so if if you're only going to be encouraged by winning the national championship, then then you're going to be miserable some at least half the time when you line up against the likes of Alabama. So, so but, who do you see as being those teams that will still be relevant as we move from week seven to eight, nine, ten, and to the end of the year? I uh, I like Alabama in the uh, in the SEC in the conference and uh, and getting them in the playoffs. And they, in my mind, could lose to a Georgia team. And you could put both Georgia and Alabama in. If Alabama was undefeated when they lost the conference championship to Georgia, I think you could put both of them in. I don't believe that uh, that uh, Georgia is quite the team that Alabama is. So I would I would have to predict that Alabama would win in the in the conference um, uh, championship. But should and if they win, I don't know that Georgia will get in. 
But if they were to lose, I would get Alabama in, certainly. And now the Georgia well, is... Well, Les, yeah. Les, wait, wait one second, though. You remember when Michigan and Ohio State played and they were one and two? Yeah. You remember that situation. It's the same scenario. Correct. And Michigan lost in a very close game by a few points, and they did not get in, okay? And you, I mean, so they didn't put two teams from the same conference in because they lost late in that season. And it wasn't, they didn't have a conference championship, but they were the one and two teams in the nation going into that game. And so it, it, it was set up an interesting scenario because the precedent had been set that they did not vote Michigan into that game, into that national title game. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tough deal, especially, I mean, if, here you are. You, you look back a year and you say Ohio State loses to Penn State, gets into the, the playoffs. Uh, Penn State does not, and Ohio State gets drubbed in the playoffs. So, I right. mean, it, right. it, I mean, you know, it doesn't it doesn't call for then two Big Ten teams, and that's going that's going to play out again this year. I mean, Wisconsin, Penn State. Um, in my opinion, are very, very quality teams. It'll be interesting to see if Ohio State can muster that same style of offense against either one of those two teams. Ohio State's starting to find their, their stride. If, if they lose another game, they're history, period. I mean, whether it's the conference championship, no matter what, they lose another game, they're, they're, they're history. And uh, I mean, because I see a I, lot of those one loss teams. I just think that being overrated, even, or being undefeated even seven weeks in is a little bit of it's awesome it you don't you you don't have that one strike against you but I see a lot of teams that have the one loss and their backs are against the wall and they're ready to play every week now and they kind of play with a little bit less to lose because they're not the undefeated team and so I kind of see the Oklahoma State OUs of the country as being in good positions as well. Yeah, I, I like Oklahoma because of uh, Baker Mayfield. I think he can throw it, and I think I think John enjoys that quarterback as well. But to me, if you look at those undefeated teams, Miami's new to the party. I, they, I they, called it. Got you on that one. Yeah, I yeah Georgia Tech. I I did have you the whole day though. I just want you to know I I had the lead and he, he and, kept reminding and, me too. That's correct. So I was but, the Canes all the way. How was it all the way? That's yeah, correct. But uh, let's see. Let's yeah. That's right. I needed. I needed that one to, f- to finish in front of you guys. Okay. Speaking of predictions, let's move on to predictions. So we have USC at Notre Dame. What do you guys think? Well, me personally, I'm 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 liking the Irish. I'm saying I'm saying that the Irish play um, in, inspired football because of who they're playing, and I, you know, just looking at the, their front. The, the defensive front and the offensive front really is much different than they've been. So it'll be the speed of USC will be the issue. If they can match up there, they're going to be bigger and stronger. So uh, it'll, it'll be a very interesting game. I, I think know. USC is on the come up, and I think Notre Dame is on the way down, though. So I think it'll be an interesting this year and wouldn't be interesting next year. I'm picking the Trojans. I think Sam Donald. They got too much to lose, oh, yeah. and I think they're. they're I, I'm not. I'm not uh, betting against him, and I think SC's going to come in there and dominate them. Okay, and Oklahoma State travels to the University of Texas. 
Oh, Lord. I have to pick Oklahoma State. I can't tell you any other way. I just am rooting for them. I've, I've coached there. It's, it's a heart pick. It's not an intellectual pick. And I would expect that Texas will have more athletes in more spots. But I think the quarterback, Mason Rudolph, and that great receiver, Washington, and the number of great receivers at Oklahoma State – will always keep them in that game. Now, the place that Texas wins the game is defensively coming after Mason Rudolph, and that concerns me. What do you think, John? I'm picking Oklahoma State, too. I think that they have too much to play for. they still got an outside shot there at the playoffs, and I think they're going to beat Texas. Okay, let's move on to LSU. Oh, you didn't take it. You listened. Did you notice the Texas graduate didn't come in and just go with it? I honestly, I love my Longhorns. I do, but I would love to see a one-loss Oklahoma State team in a Bedlam matchup versus a one-loss OU team, and have the winner be in the Final Four. So I would love to see that for the Big 12. And that doesn't include my Longhorns, but it would be exciting to me, anyways. Let's move on to the LSU at Ole Miss game. Oh, this is an easy one. One, for, for three games, they look like the worst team in the conference, okay? And then they go to Florida. And, John, the difference was they played physical. They put more physicality in their practice schedule. They tackled. They looked like an LSU team with effort and energy. And then so now, when if you, if you guys go back and look at what you picked last week, everybody on the line picked Auburn over LSU. But what I'd seen was is that they were they had already started their comeback. They did it with a with a, a sloppy, ugly win against Florida and and then they came back and won against Auburn. I there's no question. They're 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 going to wear out Ole Miss. And the reason they're gonna wear out Ole Miss is Ole Miss doesn't have the same personnel that they used to have. Um, you know, it's it's a their defense looks like you can run through it and Offensively, they got a quarterback. Why is that? What happened? Well, I think I think recruiting is an issue. <laughs> what do you think, John? Well, once you blow your salary cap, it's tough to tough to steal the team. But, uh, <laughs> oh, no, I I, uh, I learned my lesson last week. I I uh, went against the Tigers, the LSU Tigers, and I won't do it again. The LSU <laughs> Tigers are are starting to roll and they're starting to heat up, um, and it's not the same old Miss team. I I think physically. Um, you know, they come off this big win, and, and I think they, uh, they realize they have some things they can accomplish this year, and, and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going LSU. I will never bet against the Tigers when the national championship team is on the sideline ever again. I can promise you that. Yeah, me either. <laughs> what you're saying is, is that when they uh, – it did seem like that, that, sec, that uh, second half was started quickly because of the celebration at halftime. I mean, I really mean it. I mean, I think that there was some energy in that crowd that, that really, I don't, I don't think it would have changed the, the outcome in any way. But I think that when that team took the field and they realized that there's a celebration going on in their stadium, they wanted to be a part of a winning effort. My there's prediction- something special about that. Whatever that energy they drew from it, whatever they didn't want to let you guys down, they didn't want to let lot, you know, most of those kids you recruited and play, you know, played for you. There's something special about that whole and the emotions. I, I think there was something to all that. I agree. 
My prediction on this one has less to do with LSU, which is surprising considering I've watched a lot more of them, but more to do with the fact that that Ole Miss number one recruiting class has gone on and a lot of the staff that has recruited them has gone on and that team beat LSU and Alabama four for six in three years and there we all know what came of that recruiting class and what came of the staff of that recruiting class, but I just like LSU or most people that are playing Ole Miss right now because of the state of the program and they can get it together but we knew what what was going on after they went six and six and then got the number one recruiting class in the country and everyone there and everyone in college football knew it but that is no longer going on and so I see LSU coming out on top for sure. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining us uh, with uh, Less is More and we appreciate you being with us every week. Uh, Please uh, check us out on iTunes, uh, leave a voice message and a question, and uh, we'll we'll get that hotline cranking, and uh, your your, uh, question will end up on the air. uh, The number is 833-LESS-MORE. That's correct, and I'll say it one more time, 833-LESS-MORE. And uh, there's no is, and less is more, but this particular way is 833-LESS-MORE. Perfectly done. Hey, look forward to next week. Come be with us and have a great day. The Players Tribune.com.